Hello and welcome to the Zeitgeist. In this first episode of the podcast, I am happy to introduce to you the general contents of uh, the book that inspires uh, this very same series uh, that is entitled Zeitgeist Nostalgia on Populism, Work and the Good Life, and that I have the pleasure to have authored, uh, which has been published this Friday, 27th of November 2020, uh, officially on all major platforms and of course on the website of its own publisher, Zero Books, John and Publishing. So the book is about essentially the realization that in the context that we're living, work has ceased to be the structure of certainty of many individuals. The book is concerned in particular with looking at this aspect and the evolution of the meaning of work in in many ways in uh, the context that led up to a peculiar year that has been and now is commonly considered the sort of threshold of the decade that we've just finished, which is the year 2016. And it uses the framework of nostalgia to understand the relationship between society and work in the context that we are observing. So in this first episode of the podcast, we focus on nostalgia in particular uh, and try to understand what it means in this particular framework to conceive of a nostalgic era and and what nostalgia means in this uh, relationship between society and work. So many of you might remember that 2016 was the key sort of uh, threshold moment in a number of contexts, in particularly two. So the book begins by unpacking two key events uh, happened in the context of the Western world, which, uh, and I uh, underline this, remains the context within which this uh, conversation takes place, so uh, consciously so. Uh, We are looking at the Western world when we talk about these issues. So these two events, I was saying, are uh, the Brexit referendum, which took place in June 2016, and the uh, election of Donald Trump as president of the United States, which happened in November of 2016. These two events have been, in many ways, shocking for uh, the context of the Western society because they represented essentially two uh, upsetting events in Uh, relation to the course of things and how they were perceived to be. But in retrospective, uh, if one looks and uh, digs a little bit within the uh, attempt to understand the conditions that led up to these events, they appear much less surprising than they actually are. The conditions that led to uh, Brexit and Trump are in fact underpinned, culturally speaking, by um, some common elements. There are some common elements in the way in which the Brexit referendum and the Trump election in 2016 actually unfolded. And in particular, there's uh, a commonality between these two events in the way in which work has been narrated within both contexts. Nostalgia and the reference to nostalgia towards industrial society and the way in which work was the structure of certainty, that's the expression that I use, in the context of industrial society, is what underpins these two events. The role of work and uh, the meaning of work in the two campaigns, if we look at uh, what happened before the two campaigns, we can see that in the Brexit context, 
there was a significant public opinion narration that put at the center the idea that migrants, and in particular European migrants, were job stealers. And that uh, before the uh, arrival of the European Union and the different uh, uh, forms of globalization that this, of course, entailed, uh, things were better. So there was a nostalgia to an independent Britain, uh, independent from the global dimensions uh, of uh, the economy, and in particular one where there were no foreigners or less foreigners coming in to steal jobs. This was a very important narrative within that context, not the only one, of course, but one that underpins uh, the whole narration around the Brexit referendum, which, of course, uh, as I said, has other many uh, other complicated issues, but at its core has been a referendum about immigration, and in particular a referendum about immigration and work, and the attempt by many voters, uh, as some of the research um, that uh, followed actually was able to underline, to actually send a message that things were better before. Nostalgia as a concept is the uh, idealization of a past that is gone and uh, which is seen as a place uh, where things are better and that uh, in some occasions like this one turns into uh, a place to which one wants to return. Which means that nostalgia, commonly considered as a fascination for the past, is actually in some ways both the fascination for the past and a view towards the future. And this is also clearly epitomized by the slogan which is at the heart of the Brexit uh, referendum, take back control. Uh, this back uh, as, a, uh, as a reference is actually a very nostalgic synthesis of the main feeling that underpinned that particular event. Moving on to the US, six months later, we see the rise of the Trump phenomenon. We will come back in future episodes to, uh, of course, discuss the relevance of the Trump phenomenon and, and its end, which is unfolding in slow move as we speak today, after in uh, November 2020, Joe Biden won the latest election, in fact, and uh, we are now in a position of uh, witnessing whether Trump will actually leave, which remains a question uh, despite all practical and commonsensical arrangements. But what underpinned the Trump campaign in 2016 and what made this very successful was the attempt to convince significant parts of the electorate, in particular in key states that were uh, made object of significant deindustrialization, that he was the one who would have brought their jobs back. And with jobs here, we talk about industrial jobs. We talk about manufacturing. This was a key component in the Trump rhetoric, which back then was very effective, in particular in uh, states like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, which ultimately ended to turn in Trump's favor for very limited numbers, of course, but in significant terms to hand over to Trump the victory of the election, despite a three million vote uh, gap with Hillary Clinton, who was actually the most voted candidate. At the heart of this was 
carefully selected rhetoric in relation to making these jobs come back. And making these jobs come back, uh, giving a renewed sense of meaning to the jobs of blue-collar workers, as, uh, as are uh, called, um, was a key component in also the slogan that underpinned the Trump campaign, which, just like in the Brexit context, was heavily positioned in nostalgic territory, which, uh, as we all know, is make America great again. Nostalgia here is even more brought center stage and is even more understood as a key dimension of feeling in the appeal of its campaign. When Trump talks about making America great again, it makes a direct appeal towards feelings uh, and an idealized past when America was considered uh, as the uh, leading powerhouse of the world that, for some reason, uh, is now perceived to be uh, gone. And, and his claim was to make that come back. At the center of it was, in particular, a claim about work. So nostalgia becomes useful here to understand the relationship between these processes of transformation in society, these key landmark events through which, as individuals, we come essentially to see and understand these transformations and what these transformations are about. Of course, nostalgia here uh, is also necessarily to be contextualized, and we'll do it in uh, a separate episode where we dig into what nostalgia actually means. Um, there is a third element, though, that is um, at the center of the book, and which in the next episodes we'll continue to narrate, um, and will become increasingly relevant within this context, which is technology. Because part of the transformation that we are seeing is also about the role of technology and the way in which technological advancement has become part of our everyday lives and part of our work lives in a way that is very difficult to understand for some parts, some significant parts of the Western population. Technology is at the heart of a number of conversations around employment and has been also described sometimes as a driver of unemployment. This dates back also to um, different periods in history. It's not the first time, we'll also see that. But it goes down in this particular context, tied into its development in particular in the context of uh, a neoliberal era, where individualization, where entrepreneurship actually represents the key aspect to access work, where every worker needs to be an entrepreneur of oneself. Neoliberal economies have been dismantling, actually, for a number of years, the very foundations of employment as a permanent thing. It's through the neoliberal era that we see the seeds of uh, the transformation of the uh, relationship between society and work, because in the neoliberal era we have seen a constant attack towards the permanent status of work and the push towards entrepreneurialization and flexibility of work, which implies also insecurity and precarity. After a few decades, the uh, mix of these different aspects and the key other event which precedes 
2016, which is the economic crisis of 2007 and 2008, and it's a quite long aftermath, have actually created the perfect conditions to develop a cultural relationship between society and work, which is based on a nostalgic attachment, especially in certain cohorts, we will talk about generations a little while too, whereby it is more difficult to understand that work no longer represents the structure of certainty that that was for them. Especially the baby boomers, as we commonly uh, describe them, um, are unable to understand that for their uh, daughters and sons, the so-called millennials, it is now quite difficult to actually conceive of work in the same way their parents do. To understand work as something upon which to build the rest of their lives. Because for many of the younger generations, work is actually inherently something insecure, something precarious, something that doesn't allow them to start a family and to establish uh, with the same level of security as uh, an individual in society uh, that uh, with the same easiness that their parents used to experience. We'll continue this conversation in the next episode. Before then, in the forthcoming one, I look forward to talking to you a little bit more about why nostalgia and why this particular framework is actually so relevant and so useful to understand the preconditions to these upsetting events of 2016.